back it up. Is it fat enough? When I throw it back, is it fast enough? If I speed it up, think you handle that. You ain't ready for this work now. Watch me throw it, throw it back, throw it back. Hey everybody, welcome to the Broners Podcast. Your host today is your Brodette. And unfortunately, none of the bros could make it today, so we had to recruit some Brodettes. And we've got an all-female podcast today, so look out. Ladies, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is India. Do we do last names? I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We're not doing India, that's names. all you need to know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. I've been an ER nurse for eight years. I've worked ER. I've worked trauma, adult trauma, peds trauma. I even did a brief stint in the GI lab sedating people, fentanyl versed, till they passed out. Yes. It was lovely, but I missed the ER. So that is my home. I'm also in finishing nurse practitioner school at Vanderbilt with a dual specialization in family and emergency all right well thank you for joining us i also have the lovely julie julie go ahead and introduce yourself hey guys i'm the old lady and the newest nurse to the group (laughs) just happy to be here with my bsn i eat sleep breathe er i don't know anything else i've been there for three years level one trauma trauma trained pediatric I can do anything but charge. Don't give me charge. And um, so I don't know anything else. Is there anything else out there? I is mean, what good? else is there even? Let's be yeah. honest. What, what Ashley and I can there? both speak. You don't want to charge level one. It's uh, it's mm. the worst. Mm-mm-mm. You chose wisely. Thank you, guys. <laughs> good Thanks. for you, Julie. We're so proud of you. <laughs> so uh, today we're talking about visitation in the hospital because it's been a hot topic. It's been something that has been affecting all of our lives since the pandemic has started and um we're going to just give you our thoughts on the issue how our hospitals are dealing with it and what's going on so i will start out by saying i was not mad at the no visitors policy in the Mm -hmm. beginning of this pandemic what about you Mm -hmm. guys Mm -hmm. man less uh what less sandwiches being handed out less babysitting less your child can speak for themselves. They're 50 years old with chest hair. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But then we get the calls from the family members. My 50-year-old baby is not, nobody's taking care of him. Someone go in the the room. the phone can't walk to the nurse's desk and demand that I ignore it for 20 minutes while I finish my charting. So true. Because I just, that's what I do. I just ignore when they walk up until I'm done doing what I'm doing. Right. Just don't make eye contact and it's like they're not even there. It's simple. I'm really good at that now. So basically, in the beginning, I was pretty into the no visitor policy. I was like, yo, this is awesome. I don't have anyone coming to bother me, asking me 100 questions. Every time I walk in the room with a med, did the doctor order that? No, (laughs) they didn't. Um, We practice medicine now. We just do our own thing. I ordered it. So now I feel as though my mindset has changed. Mm-hmm. And um, my hospital personally is handling the visitor policy uh, by saying no visitors whatsoever. Even if you're dying, we still got to think about it. And the only way you get a visitor is if you are basically an active labor. You get one visitor. And 
the kicker is if you have COVID, you get no visitors. Even if you're in active labor, you get nobody, which <clears throat> has to be incredibly scary. What is the visitation policy at your hospital, India? My hospital started pretty strictly early on, probably in late March with no visitors whatsoever, unless the patient was a minor or mentally incapacitated and couldn't make decisions for themselves. Um, that, and then it kind of, whenever we had the sort of lull in late May, early June, they were allowing some visitors in the hospital, but never in the emergency department, unless they were those two aforementioned exceptions. Um, and of course they'd let people in if there was somebody who was dying, actively dying, um, unless they had COVID, then they weren't allowed to come and these people were dying alone. And now they have reenacted the policy. Well, let me rewind. They loosened it to where patients in the hospital could have visitors. ER, no visitors. Um, but then they re-tightened it back up whenever we had a surge up here. And it has stayed that way. Okay, so your policy kind of changed and then went back, loosened up, and now is... Tight. Tight. Out of can. All right. <laughs> Jules... <laughs> How's your hospital handling it? So in the central-ish area, west-ish of Florida, um, it was very similar to what India said as far as if you're a minor, um, one visitor, um, and no visitors for anybody else. So they didn't even make too many exceptions, but our we did have our patient representatives to help a little bit with the fires. Um, if it was a developmentally delayed person, but I don't, it's been real unclear because you guys have been there. Um, every day it changes. So it had been very nice and no visitors. And then we got an email that I have open right here from our, the big guy that is in charge of everything last Tuesday. Um, but I guess I didn't see the email because, you know, when you're not at work, maybe you're awesome and you check your emails, but I don't. Absolutely unless this, not. Unless the schedule just comes out. I don't and I know get people paid are, to check my emails. So. I know. Yeah, but then no. if people are asking for swaps right after the schedule comes out, I might be checking those days. But They can text me. So apparently then when I came to work on Friday in our shift briefing before, um, it was, oh, so let's tell you about the visitor's policy that's changed and who can come in. And we're all looking at each other like, what is happening? So now everybody can have a visitor. Anybody from a vaginal bleed to a cough to a trauma um, one singular visitor, one singular visitor. If you're COVID rule out symptomatic, no visitors. If you're peds now you get two when we were only allowing one. Now both parents can come. Um, so, I mean, I spoke with one of our managers about it because, um, you know, I wish that there was a screening process initially maybe we have somebody out there it's called the nurse navigator um that sits out on the our, the um outside of the doors to our er that kind of puts eyes does a you know visual assessment on patients to see okay we screen them there do we want them in the building do we want them in the COVID area do we want them not in our building or do we need to send them to the ct scanner or you know 
To another hospital. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> or to McDonald's. Right. To the streets um, from which they came. Exactly. So you would think maybe there they would allow more of a, does this person really need a visitor? But that would be very judgmental. So we're not allowed to do that. So we're not judging, part, we're assessing. First right. Of all. That's how I, that's what I, I like that reframing. Big difference. So now, like, for instance, the other day, um, I had a certain area that is designated as our code 100 room. What does that mean? Um, the code 100 is when we have a patient that comes in in cardiac arrest and we don't know if they have COVID because nobody could tell us and we have to utilize the code 100, which is minimal providers, people in the room taking care of the patient patient to minimize exposure. You're only supposed to do like three rounds of CPR before they call it, no matter the age. It's a pretty terrible room. Oh, Jesus. So with that being said, now this was the first day visitors were allowed and I had a, actually she ended up being an ICU patient in the hallway outside that room with a visitor. Um, and they oh, were yeah. terrified every time I went in and out of the that one room because it has, you know, a sign on it that right. says it looks go to the nurse's station. Right. So she, the visitor, asks, you know, oh, my gosh, like, it makes me so nervous being here. And I'm like, well, nobody told you I had to be here. I didn't say that. But um, so it's more explaining, more, you know, questions being asked, more things we need to take care of now. But, like, we've seen some some awful heartbreaking situations where family members are freaking out outside the doors and being told they cannot come in to have closure when they've lost a family member and for that you know i've made many comments to management and to patient representatives like dear god like what can we do for these people because they are not going to be okay um they had no no closure in these situations. They are not going to be okay at the end of this with not being able to say goodbye to their loved ones. Well, yeah, like in my hospital, if we had a code, let's say they didn't make it, um, they were allowing one family member, one, to come in and see, you know, their loved one before, you know, they were taken away. And for me, I'm kind of like, wow, one person. I mean, how do you get to decide, right? Like, if that's my dad and they're laying in the hospital bed and they've died and I don't even get to go and, like, say goodbye, I mean, that's heartbreaking. That can be anybody at any time. Like, one person, that's terrible. And, I mean, that's the policy. That's how it is. And I just can't even imagine putting myself in that situation, like, how that has to feel, you know? And you have to also consider that some of these people that, let's say they live with the person. So what's the harm in letting all the people that live mm -hmm. in the household with that person to go in and say goodbye? I don't know. I've waxed and waned on this. It's convenient for me as a nurse, but it um, towards the beginning of COVID, that the beginning of April, I was in triage and this patient, I was letting her drone on and on because I was just typing her triage and it just made her feel better and I didn't have anyone else to triage so I let her just yap away and then I saw my mom's name pop up on the lobby tab and I kicked that lady out quicker than <laughs> I even know how to express and I walked out Bye. and she had checked in for chest pain and I lost my mind I thought I had given her COVID I was like 
I've killed my mom. This is the worst thing. Sorry, my parents' dogs are um, they're barking. Okay. We'll get you, we'll let you get resituated. Okay, I'm situated. <laughs> Fuck. I swear to God. Get your I mean, this is way. this is this is grad school life right here. Living with my parents, eating their cheese. It's dogs won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so as we were saying, oh, oh I thought my mom. I thought I gave my mom COVID. I was like, you know, I brought it home. I'm immune to everything because I work in the ER. And um, turns out it was just her gallbladder. Thank God. So I was able to sit with her in the ER. She was really sick she had gone septic from a necrotic gallbladder um so being on the other side of it too I was like this is scary as a family member you know I was able to sneak up to the floor to see her so being on the other side of it I cannot imagine that not being able to go in and see her and know that she's okay and then some patients their family members weren't being called at all during the day. They had no update. They didn't know what was going on. Physicians weren't calling. Nurses weren't calling. I, that to me was very, very eye-opening. It's tough. Our hospital had, um, a couple months back, I'm not sure which one, but had allowed, which was, which was nice. You're an employee that, and you have a family member that comes in, they did allow, did they do it at your hospital, India? Were they allowed, or did you kind of have to sneak back there to get to your mom? I was very sleuthy about it. Okay. I wasn't supposed to, but I just, I pushed a wheelchair around upstairs and acted <laughs> like I just brought a patient upstairs. Stop. I was like, I just dropped off a uh, room, whatever. Just dropped they, off you know, Barb in room like, seven. I just has been there for a month in that room, you know, but they don't know. They know they just think like, oh, poor ER nurse. What a moron. She doesn't know. Like, bless her heart. And I, you God know, you just her. push it around and. Um, we get so, lost when we're outside of the ER, right? So. Yeah. Right. Like, that's, that's like how me I when, I, when I drive oh, yeah. a five mile radius outside of my home. I'm like, I'm the GPS is going on. Where am I? <laughs> and that's how I feel outside of the ER where am yeah. I so true I'm not home anymore things are confusing here we had yeah. forgotten to swab an admitted patient oh the horror in the our horror. Like, <laughs> fast track area because apparently I don't know about your hospital but it's considered a not a specialty but that we've been trained on how to swab because it's so different than like an RVP right like it's completely different skill when you do the COVID swab right <laughs> you just shove it farther down the patient right more and I was like well, when Before have we ever been checked off for doing this so I you know we called charge or like oh no like we forgot we know they're gonna write us up so I walked to well the charge just said okay we'll just go to the floor and go do it so oh my god it's a little sexual it's like if your eyes aren't watering and you haven't gagged did you go far enough right yeah yeah (laughs) so I took a trip to the forbidden land of (laughs) mid-surge don't write me up the only time I had to traverse to the floor was when a patient I had sent upstairs um, had a quote unquote <clears throat> cough seizure when he got upstairs mm. and he threw his armband off. So they freaked out because <laughs> he didn't technically have an armband on, even though he threw it off. He During had the armband on when he left me. He was, you know, batshit. And then he was upstairs and um, it came off. So I had to go upstairs and verify that was the patient and put an armband on. I was like, I'm never coming up here again. Fuck all of you guys. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, I think we've all been in some shitty situations with this no visitor thing. We discussed that, honestly, in the beginning, it was kind of nice. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting like 10,000 phone calls a day. 
mm-hmm. from panicked family members. And I'm going to be honest with you. If someone told me that I couldn't go visit my family member, you would have to have me physically restrained and likely arrested from the cause of the, the scene that I would be causing. Because I just, I just can't even. And it really upsets me because, A... I, I kind of understood when we were like in this the real swing of things like when we had 200 plus COVID positive inpatient like in my hospital maybe kind of understood it at that point but now thankfully at my hospital at least things are starting to slow down dare I use the s word and the numbers are trending downward mm-hmm. and I feel like we're getting to a better place as far as that goes like the ER is busy no matter what I feel like we're just busy balls to the wall all the times but the inpatient world is reflecting better numbers, which is great. I feel like at this point, we kind of have to start changing our mindset. Like, when are things going to go back to how they were? Not even just in the hospital, but, like, life. Life. Because there's so many things, even just in life, that I feel like I find myself worried about, is this ever going to change? Is this the new normal? Is this how we're just going to have to get used to things being? Which... In some cases, like, I understand, like, even the social distancing thing, like, listen, I'm not mad at Publix when I've got a little extra room in the line and I don't have Bob up my ass with his cart ready to fucking <laughs> run me over. Like, that is nice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, like, certain things got to go. And I think one of them is this no visitor thing. It's got to go. Like, I think it's reasonable to limit the amount of visitors I don't think it's reasonable to not have a visitor at all, honestly, even on the COVID side, because to me, the scariest thing is when you have an elderly patient who might have COVID or test positive for COVID. And how terrifying does that have to be to be that elderly person and think to yourself, like, am I ever going to see my family again? Like, it's fucked up. It's not right. And I think the emotional toll it's taking on patients and their family members is not worth whatever benefit we think that this is doing. I think if the patient's family member is going to go, like say the patient is a COVID patient and they're going to go visit their family member, let's say we limit it to one one visitor Mm -hmm. at a time even, one visitor at a time, you know, let them sign a waiver. If it's the hospital that's concerned about their liability or something, like if someone get like, let's say Susie comes and visits her dad and now Susie gets COVID and dies, you know, like that they might try to put that on the hospital, have them sign a waiver or something that says if they contract COVID, they, yeah, like we're not, the hospital's not liable, et cetera. Like you are accepting the risk that you're taking by coming into a COVID unit because A, obviously we're not going to be supplying them with N95s. They're not being fitted. You know, everyone has to wear a mask. That's kind of how it is anyway now. Like all the patients have to wear a mask in my hospital. We're obviously wearing masks. And I feel like if the visitors come in, they're wearing a mask like what additional risk is that really posing to me like let's be honest just more annoyance than it's anything. exactly and you know but what sometimes it takes away the annoyance because sometimes the patients get extra needy when they don't have their people they have oh. no one there for them they're worried they're scared and sometimes just I having have, a family member puts them at ease i have to say though and this just might be in in my experience i have noticed that the family, like if I've been out on the ramp or I've been in triage or I picked up the phone to speak to a family member and I try to pick up the phone with each person and, and just get it. Like, I know that this is awful. Please know that I'd feel the same way that you are, but I don't have any information for you right now. But I've noticed the ones that um, 
complaint the majority of people that have a have had a huge problem with the visitor rules are the ones that haven't been really critical that's just been in my experience i've noticed that like people get it i'm bringing i'm bringing my mom in she's 80 years old she's barely breathing she's got a fever i would you just would you, like they don't even sometimes we know the rules um like just take care you of take down, would you take down my number please just call me when you know something they've been so cool with the real critical ones it's the you know my pinky finger hurts what do you mean i can't have my whole family here to support me like those are the like <laughs> the, this crisis like, you know oh my goodness <laughs> i've got a headache and and the runs so I, I don't know. That's been maybe it just at our hospital, but most people have been for the most part with the really critical ones. Like they get it, um, and they've they've been completely compliant. It's the less acute situations that seem to raise well. That's a need to call security anyway. Right. I, that's what I'm saying. In general, like it's usually the people that are dying that are usually like the most like it's fine, do what you have to do, I'm not here to make your job more difficult, and then, like, freaking Barb comes in with her, like, 15th visit, yeah, exactly, for something ridiculous, and it's like, um, I asked for socks twice, and I don't have them yet. Shut the fuck up, Yeah, and my remote's not working, ma'am, I'm sorry about your remote, the guy next door, uh, we're about to intubate, so I'll get to that when I get to it. The amount of adults I've told to get a grip on themselves and to put on their big girl or big boy pants and to get a grip because they control how they react to situations is appalling. I am 32 years old. I should not be telling a 56-year-old man to grow up. Or to not grab your arm when you go to swab him. Like, come on. I hate that shit. Grow up. I know. Don't touch me. Shut up. You shut up. You shut up. Shut up. Julie, who are you even? Shut up. You shut up. Am I? Who are you? God, wow, the ER has really changed you. So bad. So my thoughts are, we got to change this because honestly, I've had some really sad moments and honestly, yesterday like hit me again where I had this guy who was, I think he was like 94 old, but God bless him. He had all of his wits about him, all of it. So... He came in for GI bleed, and they thought maybe he had mesenteric ischemia. His lactic acid was like 1000, and it was not good. They were talking, we might take this guy to the OR. And so I went and let him know, like, hey, you know, they're talking about possibly taking you to the operating room. And so I was like, you know what, let me let this guy talk to his family, because God forbid he goes to the OR and doesn't make it, like, They won't even have gotten to say goodbye. Like, no one's here with him. This is terrible. So, you know, he got to talk to his family on the phone, got to say I love you and all of that, hung up the phone. Thank God, because literally, like, 10 minutes later, this guy had, like, a large volume vomiting blood. Like, one of those moments where you're like, oh, boy, here we go. We're about to have endo up in here, like, for a full-blown hemorrhage. Like, it was one of those scenes. And thank God we got it under control. He stopped vomiting. And then when the surgeon came in and told him after he got his scan that he wasn't going to need abdominal surgery, like wasn't going to need to be cut open 
I was just going to need GI for a scope. Like, yeah, this guy was still sick. Yeah, he still needed a scope and was still not in, you know, the best situation. But just being like, just knowing that he wasn't getting going to get cut open with no one there with him to like hold his hand through it. He literally broke down crying and was just so relieved that he wasn't going to have to go through that alone, which honestly made me want to cry. I felt so bad like god this has to be so scary for people like i just can't imagine honestly like you would have i'm telling you you would have to literally restrain me like you're not going to keep me from my family and the double standard that exists like like for example when our family members are sick guess who's going to be there you better fucking bet i'm going to be there okay Mm -hmm. i'm going to be in that hospital and you know we have that luxury um you know my i was telling my mom this other day and i'm like mom look if you were in dad were in the hospital I don't give a fuck. I will break every rule. I will I will sneak in. I will do whatever I have to do. I'll put scrubs on and pretend I'm at work yep. and put my badge on and get to you. Like, I will Slash do that badge. what I got to do because... And, the, and my mom was like, you know what? Honestly, as healthcare workers, I feel like we fucking deserve it. Like, we deserve that yeah. luxury, especially the situation that we're being put in. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But it's so fucking hypocritical. Like, imagine the CEO's mom. Yeah, that guess who's going to be coming in to see their mom that's ceo like if the rules don't apply to everybody it shouldn't apply to anybody and that's just how i feel like yes i feel like we deserve that but at the same time so does fucking everybody else like it's a basic human it's the right fucking thing to do like these people deserve to have somebody with them and i don't care what you're there for yeah can you do i want you to bring your whole family no but i think one visitor at a time is reasonable and literally after yesterday's shift, I was like, you know what? I'm going to write an email. I am the email queen, just so everybody knows, which you guys know because you worked with me. But They're um, always so beautiful. I'm just so eloquent well, in my emails. Well written. There's usually no F-bombs. So I honestly am like getting ready usually. to prepare an email. Yeah, usually, depending. You know, I'm getting ready to write an email to the CEO and be like, look, I don't know if this has been given any thought, but honestly, like the emotional toll it's taking not only on families that can't be there with their loved one who are calling me a million times a day to the patients who are scared by themselves to the staff honestly who are exhausted by a the sad situations that i have to see people go through like i cannot even imagine putting myself in that situation how that must feel and then b you know you're at the end of the day every phone call that i have to answer is taking me away from the patients that need me so I don't even know. I mean, God, I get pulled away a thousand times a day to answer the phone. And at the end of the day, that's that's hurting other people, too, right, because right. I can't give the care I need to give when I'm constantly trying to talk to people, give them updates, this and that and care for people who are critically ill. Like it doesn't it's it's not right. Well, if you guys remember the patient rep from the hospital we all used to work at together, who is amazing. She gave me a little golden ticket on how to forward the calls to her vocera. Um, And so, and she would thank me every time. And I said, I want to give these, like these family members deserve updates. They're not even here. They deserve that. But I don't have, it's taking away my time with my other patients and they deserve to be spoken to. So she just would thank me. She's like, thank you for believing in what we do. And I'm happy to deal with this. And I would, I would, you know, put the patient on hold or the family member on hold. And I would call her number and say, Hey, I've got this person on the phone. Would you please answer all the questions? Oh, sure. I'm happy to wonderful, wonderful. But we really could use like five of her because she's one of the right. only ones that does that. Yeah. But like, 
I, I'm and not with everybody you. hospital I, has that either. We, we it's had, a nice luxury. We had mm-hmm. a known COVID coming in EMS chest pain, and he braided down and then and went into arrest um, on his way to the hospital. And of course, we have a designated area for the known ones, cardiac arrest, code 100, all of that. Um, anyways, patient it did not make it. And I was in the break room and I see out the window this woman screaming on the phone, running down the uh, the entrance area, like away from the ER. And I saw security, like it wasn't like, it wasn't, uh, you could tell she was just distraught. And somebody said, that's the wife of the patient and they're not allowing her in. Um, because, you know, he was a known and cause of death was was COVID. And I'm like, I mean, I, I, can't, I went to our patient rep. I went to management. And I go, can't we just wrap this lady up, put her in PPE and bring her in the room? Like, yeah, it's not like so it anyway. She, you know exactly. What I mean? she We've already got friggin' patients down the hall, asymptomatic that test positive. What's this going to hurt if we put her in a gown and a mask and bring her in instead of having a FaceTime her husband that she was never expecting to come in and die. And that was it. That was it. Nobody ever came in. And it's unacceptable. I mean, and then people get so afraid too. Like even on the pediatric side, um, I had a, I had a little, she was 15 months old. She had had three febrile seizures in clinic and they brought her over with mom, single mom comes in with her like seven year old daughter. And they're like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. We can't have the, the sibling here and the lady's like i don't know anybody um i just moved here military um long 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 day ended up little girl was positive so then mom's for they she had found someone to pick up the older kid um the 15 month old with the febrile seizures ended up having a denovirus a uti corona um all these things and then you know, mom's now freaking out because her dad was coming down from Virginia to help out, who was immune compromised, who took the younger daughter, who's now like, like, dad, you need to put your mask back on. They wouldn't let him. She wanted to swap out because she was exhausted. They wouldn't allow him to come. I mean, it was, you could, can't thing. even imagine. I ended up holding this little baby for an hour when she was going to leave AMA because she was so pissed off that they would not allow her to walk out to swap things out. And I said, this is what I have to tell you. Like, we can't have you going through the halls. We can't have you leaving the building and coming back in. You're now an exposure. You're now a risk to other people. And so finally, it just got to a place where like, you know what, if she's going to leave AMA, that's worse than her walking out, going to the car, swapping out the car seat, then coming back in. I held that baby in my arms right next to my neck in full PPE for a a whole hour it was horrible i had the doctor it was past my shift i had the doctor knocking on the door do you want to swap out i said i promised this mom that i would stay with her baby and if she came back in and saw somebody else no matter who it was i feel like that would have done more damage to her so it's just you know stepping up being there for people understanding their situation and it is hard with policies because when you make exceptions for one thing then you know just like like you said if the ceo's mom was there they're definitely going to come in. Yeah. I mean, I sure what? as hell found my way up. Yeah. I there I was mission impossibleing that. There was no way in hell <laughs> I was not going to be up there. Exactly. My aunt got admitted. If you think I didn't pull the same crap for that, you're crazy. Yeah, right. and that's ridiculous. That's totally just we are in this profession because we care about people and we want to help people. 
So basically for me, I feel like hospitals need to start taking the initiative and showing people like we do care, we do hear you, you know, we're in this because we care about people, not because we want to cause them, you know, more harm and more hurt. And I think honestly, that's what we're doing is we're making it worse. And I think something very important to note about this too, to kind of, I don't mean to open up a can of worms, but yes, I do. While everyone's talked about the effect on healthcare workers and how it's mentally straining, either side of the coin on this is mentally straining for us. It's been mentally straining to feel these phone calls. It's been mentally straining to just watch these people die. It's been mentally straining to now have to constantly explain to families why they can't come back. It's not my policy. It's the hospital's. It's very draining on all of us, and it's been extremely draining. There's not, people are like, self-care, and I'm like, you can shut the fuck up because you don't work in a hospital, and you don't know what I'm going through. Like, what do you have to be mentally upset about with this unless it's some sort of, like, financial, you know, like, unless you've had some terrible hardship there? But it's, it's draining either way, and my mental health has gone down the tube and it's not just because of school but mainly probably attributed to the fact that I'm killing myself in grad school and working but my mental health is literally in the toilet I have compassion fatigue times 58 my colleagues do as well we're just we're over it and I some part of me is like you know what if the family members are in there if they want to be in there I don't care yeah like I I have broken hospital policy and let in let family members into the room because I'm just so over it. I'm like, you can come back. I literally don't care. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. It's it. You're India. You're hitting it on the head. Like I'm so con- concerned and, and it, it does, it ebbs and flows with like, I've had shifts where I've cried most of it, you know, like I've had two back to back coming from an ALF sepsis workups, probably COVID. I can't, physically do all the things that need to be done in the amount of time and these people are not okay um to the point you know and it's like just the little things can everybody pull the weight um and i did have a a pretty great team that particular day but they had super critical patients and i started something um a couple months ago called uh, the COVID 19 improvement work group and kind of my idea with it was um an opportunity to say, hey, we're in the, it's great that higher up is making decisions. They need to, they need to come up with policies and procedures. It's super important. However, those of us that are in it every single day, see things a lot clearer and know what's going to work and not work. Um, So when I presented that to the director, they were in very big support of us just having a group of people saying, these are the problems and not just, I mean, to complain because we need that. We need a place to, to share our feelings and what we're going through. And, you know, just having a moment to come together with these horrific situations that happen and, you know, how are you doing? So I had, you know, we started this and it started to become more like a peer committee, which is not what I was trying to do. But, um, I said, you know, I've had many of my coworkers come to me and say, I am not okay. I'm not okay. And I've said that before too. And what's going to happen, you know, compassion fatigue is is super real, but this is more than that. This yeah. is way more than that. And I have days, I have a couple of weeks that go by and I don't feel it, you know, oh, it's not been so bad. And then you have a week that is just Fucking absolutely horrible. overwhelming and to the point that I I question what I'm doing 
And am I, am I built for this? And there's got to be something I think for us. Um, but you know, with a degree in psychology as well, I said, I'd like to change this too, to maybe just a a therapy group, you know, just a place to say you're not alone and it's okay that you feel inadequate or that you feel, um, this is just more than what one person can handle at a time. And maybe nobody else is listening, but let's just all come together and, and let you know you're not alone. Yeah. yeah, I almost feel like a return to normalcy might help relieve some of that because it's just been so much in such a short period of time that allowing visitors back might help one piece of to it. some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I would encourage everyone that, you know, if you're one of those people that kind of feels the same, you kind of feel like us where, you know, maybe this visitor thing can just maybe that's one piece of the struggle puzzle that we can fix maybe it will help and you know I feel really strongly about it they've done studies in the ICU about outcomes even for patients when they have family members there and when they do not and overwhelmingly people do better when they have their family around especially in critical care settings Um, being alone is never fun and it's certainly not fun when you feel like you might never see your family again So I would encourage you, if you feel that way, to reach out to your hospital leadership and try to make a change. And honestly, I don't feel like leadership even realizes, like, the toll it's taking on people, patients, their families, and us because they're not there. They're not the ones doing it. They're not the ones answering the calls from family members constantly. They're not the ones explaining to patients that, you know, I'm really sorry that you're going in for emergent surgery because you're that sick. And, um, no, I'm sorry, you can't have anybody here with you. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's terrible. And to me, honestly, I don't, I I do not feel as though I'm being put at any more greater risk by having a family member there. Like, especially if you're already in a COVID unit, you're already exposed. Like Mm -hmm. we're wearing what we need to wear. We're protecting ourselves. If they have a mask, we have a mask, like, let these people in, let them be with their loved ones, let them say goodbye to people that are dying, you know, let them be there for them. That's how I feel. We're all out in the real world going to Publix and we're all going to everywhere. I took the stickers off the floor in my Publix today. I was like, what? I said, what? I went in there. I go, guys, I didn't know where to go. Like, what is happening? <laughs> is it okay that I'm going this way? And they're like, oh, yeah. yeah, we noticed that. But I think they waxed the floors and maybe forgot to put that. I was like, no, nobody follows them anyways. So we could do away yeah. with the – it Look, stresses me out. I mean, like, you go down and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going the wrong way. I'm trying to do the right thing. Everybody's giving you dirty looks. I'm like, but my, my Cheerios are right there. Sorry, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> I had a guy straight up yell at me at Publix oh, me the other day. Yeah. I was standing – picking out a card in the Hallmark section, this guy, this joker, this 60-something-year-old man this fucking comes clown. closer. This fucking clown comes closer to me, and I reach to get a, just a li- you know, get a card where I'm standing, and he goes, <laughs> stay six feet back. No. Oh, no, you did not. I was like, what did you do to him? What is this clown? I just stared back at him and continued to grab my card. Sir, you came to me. You came into my space. How this is 2020. I don't know if it's because mm. I'm a, a female. You think you own this space or whatever, or I'm and young tell like me. your daughter. Did he have, you can back the fuck away from me. How about you do it? Face no. shield only too. And it's a bullshit those. cotton mask on that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Okay, Stay boomer, mine. back the fuck off. <laughs> 
This is, you're going the wrong way down this lane. I'm in the right. You're in the wrong. Turn your ass around and get out of here. Wait, how about the occasional person that has no mask on? I'm like, how did, what? How did they walk around like they have the biggest balls in the market? Why is nobody saying anything to you? Like, I'm kind of impressed, kind of angry. I don't know how to feel about this. How did you get by with that? What has your hospital done before visitation has loosened like it has now with um, uh, under 20 weeks uh, miscarriages? Have they allowed someone to come in with that person who's losing their baby? Nope. Isn't that horrible? We don't horrible? have OB, so that's not a problem at my hospital. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, we've had literally, we, actually, I don't know what it was going on. I think when, um, down here in South Florida, when the, one of the tropical storms was coming our way, not the most recent one, but a little while back, I don't know what was going on in the atmosphere. The pressure was changing and people were going into labor. We had literally three active labor patients come in before noon and we were like, what the fuck is going on? But nobody, they could not have anybody with them. Wait, well, they were over 20 weeks. No. Oh, okay, so they were, oh, gotcha, gotcha. I had, no, but they were, like, That's actively so miscarrying. Sad. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's that is, so like, heartbreaking sad. enough. That's and then a to big not loss. have anybody by, with you, I mean, I mean, I've literally, I had a patient the other day, it was terrible. She um, was coming in for miscarriage, and you never know these people's backstories. They could have tried a million times. This could have been, like, the one that they thought was right. really going to stick, and that's an emotional thing for people, and especially to be in the emergency room dealing with that. ER like, does not it, handle it no, well. No, they don't, and that's a topic for a whole other podcast, but it's literally terrible, like, basically what we do to these people, I'm telling you. It's just... And um, so she... You know, we were giving her methotrexate injection because um, she had an ectopic and et cetera, so on and so forth, they ended up putting a patient right next door. Mind, mind you, we're all separated by curtains um, in this area. And that person was pregnant. And they were talking oh. about, you know, how excited they were about being pregnant and this and that. Meanwhile, my patient who is having an active miscarriage and getting methotrexate injection next door is hearing all of this because you can hear through curtains, newsflash. And, you know, just started breaking down in tears, like, just get me the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, and they're alone. So it's sad. like, it's just the yeah. worst. You know, it's like. That was not okay. No, it's ridiculous. And I, it's just, this whole thing, honestly, I'm telling you, is just, I, I can't make sense of it anymore. To me, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that we have these rules anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, one visitor, I feel like, it shows people some fucking compassion, you know? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be a compassionate institution. We're in this to fucking, because we care about people. And we are like really causing people some emotional fucking stress and sure. and emotional turmoil that you can't undo. I mean, if, if my father died in the hospital and I didn't get to say goodbye, like, that's going to fuck you up for a long time. Maybe the rest of your life. Yeah, like, absolutely. Do you want to be responsible for that? Like, no, I don't. I do not. And you still find the people, too, that are like, I'm okay with not coming in. Can you keep me updated? Because they're afraid. So right. you still have a population of people that aren't, you know, being disrespectful, but it does, you know, you guys know if your ER has a fast track area, that is very difficult to have a visitor through there. And if you need to go through the fast track, I'll keep my mouth shut with that. But I'm, I'm with you. Like I told, I've seen too many traumas happen where family members have been told they can't come in and it's been absolutely horrifying. And then you've seen the annoying stuff. It's like, it goes, it really goes both ways, but I'm with you. I, I, yeah, and that's the problem is that because I said to management, I was like, can't we kind of screen them outside and be like, okay, this one's going to be a 
for acuity so you don't need no visitors in fact you don't need to be here but that's right that's an emtala <laughs> violation so. so we'll let you in right right come on for your <laughs> but don't expect much <laughs> here's your sandwich now and get I'm out not feeding you that's what somebody yeah. said in one of our meetings you're like so now do we have to feed the visitors again <laughs> we've we we've lowered our number of available time. turkey sandwiches and now it's just not going to be enough Mm-hmm. No, no. All right, no. ladies. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. We are exhausted by the Rona. It's taking an emotional toll, really, on everybody involved. And I think it's time that everyone starts advocating for their patients even more than we already do. And, you know, maybe talk to your administration. Talk to them about the visitation policy because, honestly, I feel like if we don't bring it up, they're not going to think about it because it's just not something that they're – in tune with because they're not around um, during those times and you know don't forget to take a minute for yourself you know you need to go to the bathroom and pretend you're having a shit to be alone then you do that you need to go outside and take a break from your mask and breathe some real air you do that you got to take care of yourself or you can't take care of anybody else and that's always the name of the game in nursing no matter what's going on pandemic or not and um yeah thanks for listening yeah I just want my my mask need to go away if I had oh my God. a simple request. The that mask would be knee it. is so fucking real. I can't even. I'm ready for it to be over with. Same. If for nothing else, for the sake of my mask knee. <laughs> if for nothing else, if not even mental health, it's about the mask knee. It's, if I, it's you nice. know. I feel weird without it now. Like right now, I feel like I should. I have, have phantom mask syndrome. I feel like I should be adjusting uh, yeah. my mask, and it's there's nothing here. It's like when you wear glasses. Like all for all you glasses wearers out there, you like take your glasses off, and you're wearing contacts, mm-hmm. and you go to adjust your glasses that aren't actually on your face anymore. I feel you. Yeah, I'm there with you. All right. Well, um, our podcast today was sponsored by Doctor Squash Soaps. Thank you, Doctor Squash. If you guys want some tasty, smelly soaps that make you extra crispy clean, then you can use our discount code called BRONURSE. And I believe you get... Hold on. Ashley's juggling about 10 things right now. She's like, what else? Right? So (laughs) use our code BROnurse and you get a discount. What kind of discount? I don't know. But you get one. These soaps sound great. They sound fabulous. The soaps are amazing. Scott uses them all the time. He stays crispy clean. They smell like squash. They don't smell like squash. They're actually Jules. You should you should go on their website and get some for your husband because they getting it right now. They look like something. They look like something that Julie would buy. I'll put it that way. Really? Should I get some for my stinky boyfriend? You should. Everyone, all the females out there, get some Doctor Squash soap for your stinky ass man. Do it. Buy Welcome it to right the Bro Nurse my, Podcast. With my surprise discount. For all your bros, it'll be a surprise. I'm kind of excited to see the percentage that I get. I know. It's a mystery. We will, who knows? You spend $1,000 and just find out what you get. You got You got what you got. Figure it out. Woo! All right, guys. Now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming and joining me, ladies. Thank you fun. so much, Ash. It's been a pleasure. I like a